Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, presented exclusively on the Chop Sports Channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We are recording this on August 3rd, 3rd, 3rd. That's a Thursday. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, we are only doing Premier League previews. Everything, top to bottom, top four, relegation battles, goal-scoring leaders, interesting players, just about the Premier League. That's it. Nothing else. That's all. Okay? Before we get started, please like, share, and subscribe. It means everything to us. We need you to make this season be the biggest season of the year, and we want you to enjoy every second of it. So if you could just like and share and subscribe, you would starts something happened to my speakers and i'm gonna hopefully that wasn't too weird a loss of time and space and audio but we are doing the premier league preview so like share subscribe like share subscribe you know the drill we love the drill now let's get to it okay i am going to start with my top four uh, I think, no, I, I think I started with it uh, a little bit earlier in the season. I don't even remember what I said already, but I'm going to start with my weird hot take, which is that Brighton and Hove and Albion will finish in the top four. Why do I say that? Because everything from last season pointed to Deserby disrupting everything. Yes, they're in Europe this season, but they have already done great business in selling McAllister um, and looking to move on from Caicedo and all that stuff. But I just really, really love what Deserby has done with this team and where they're going. They're so good. I don't know if there are um, four teams in particular better shape than this team. They just know how to play together. They've got the goal scorers in place. They've got everything in place that you would think would put everything together. They just seem to have a plan. They have a way of playing. They have a coach. They have everything you'd want from a top level side. And this is a side that scored 70 goals in the Premier League already. 70 goals, which is more than half more than six teams in the league already so i just think that they have the goal scoring they have the coaching they've got everything you need to get this thing off the ground it just feels to me that brighton and hove albion are a special special outfit that can really do damage in this league brighton were i'm just hitting it right now we're fourth in goal scoring they were, I believe, fourth in goals against, but I'm just double-checking. They, were, uh, 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 they weren't as good in goals against, finishing in the middle of the table, but pretty close. But their XG was incredible. They were uh, Their goal difference was in the top four. Everything about them said they were a top four side. Uh, 19th, which was in the top five, and then their XG goal difference, which was in the top four plus 23. Now, the question is, is do you believe this is sustainable? Do you believe that they can do it? Uh, last season's leading goal scorer, Alex McAllister, mostly on penalties, uh, has left the club. Uh, they still have Caicedo. 
he may move on, but we're seeing other players stepping in already. They're going to have a full year of Ferguson. They've already replaced Milner. They still have um, Lalana. They still have uh, Bonanota. They still have just players upon players. Estup Purvis, Estupinian coming down the wing. They still have Matoma. They've got this kid, Adima, that I talked about, who was incredible in preseason. Sure, they lose Levi Caldwell, but he wasn't their regular starter anyway. They'll just stick Veltman back in there with Lewis Dunk. They still have the veteran presence of Gross and Dunk. I just love them as a top four side. And hey, what is prediction time without a chance at saying something weird. If I'm right, I'm a freaking genius. <laughs> so that puts me uh, with Brighton and Hove and Albion in the top four. If I'm crazy, I'm crazy. The player to look out for, like I said, is Adima Adema. I have to look him up. He's another winger, just like Matoma, which I'm surprised no one came in for. He's just fantastic. Uh, cutting in from that side. We'll still see what Tarek Lamptey has for this side. Uh, I've always loved him. I don't know if he'll be the game changer that I always wanted him to be. I don't know, uh, but I still love him. I still want him to be uh, in the side. I still want him to be part of the team. I still want him to come down that wing and do all those special things that I know he can do. I'm just trying to see if I can find um, one of the players. I do want to bring up and see. So, of course, Jao Pedro from Watford comes in. Big goal scorer. Really, really good. Uh, they've got a hold of him. Billy Gilmore will step into the midfield. Didn't really have that chance. He becomes part of the McAllister solution. Van Hecke, young defender. Still really, really, really good. Uh, Dahoud has looked fantastic in the midfield, a little bit older, takes in that McAllister role. I just see all the players that I can imagine are going to help this team. Solly March, another season uh, at the wheel, coming in on that other side, put in uh, nine goals, not quite 10. I just think that they're a top four side, and I'm not afraid to say it, so I'm saying it. <laughs> uh, number three, uh, I believe it will be Liverpool. Um, I just think that Klopp is too good. The offense is fantastic for Liverpool. Diaz, Gakpo, Salah, Jota, uh, Darwin Nunez. That is not a matchable uh, front four, front five that any team has. And then they back that up with Shobajai, who's, who's the biggest transfer of the season, and uh, McAllister along with young uh, Curtis Jones, who had a great tournament and was great in the back half of the season. The question is, who is going to hold, be the holding player? Um, if they've lost Fabinho, they've lost Henderson, they've lost Milner. All of the original clops <laughs> have left the side. And I don't know what that means for the team. I know um, your, your Liverpool heads will sort of understand and expect Tiago will be a part of it. Alexander Arnold will be a part of it. Stepping into that midfield role, we'd expect him to be there and do something. We expect Gakpo will probably drop in and play that Firmino part. So maybe they won't always be on their, on their own, but we still have Basetic and we still have Harvey Elliott along with Curtis Jones in the mix in that area of what they're going to do in the midfield. I still generally think they're light in defense. Like I said, Van Dyke is not perfect, even though he has been named captain. Robertson is going to have to take a more defensive role and play part of a back three. 
along with Konate. When they have their three, I think they're okay. But Alexander-Arnold, I think the experiment as him as a full-time defender is probably over, especially after last season, especially as you know they're trying to get him on the ball way more often. I still think they're down a man, but I see shades of 13-14 Liverpool in this side where they might score 100 and give up 50 and finish in the top three. An amazing side will have all the Europa League. They should expect to win that Europa League and go get it. Um, this this is a side that should expect to win the Europa League, and that's where I think Liverpool will go. Um, and uh, in that next slot, in the number two slot, my most important thing is Manchester City. I don't think that after winning the treble, because I certainly don't have it, and I'm a fan, I don't see them having the wherewithal to have the fight to try and win four in a row. This is not the Bundesliga. This is not Serie A. This is not um, the 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 Liga knows uh, in Portugal. This is not France. This is the Premier freaking league. Nobody is good enough to win four in a row. Let's just really keep in mind. Yes, City have won uh, five in six years. Two of those were by one point, right? with a great Liverpool that was over 90 points. Very, very easily, City could not have won. Very, very, very easily. Uh, to write off City as some magic automatic machine does not give credit to how good Liverpool was, does not give credit to how good all the other teams are. It's that City wins these leagues through fight, coaching, and talent. It's not easy to win the Premier League. Ask Arsenal. Ask Liverpool and City make it look easy because they're well-coached, well-drilled, and have a solid transfer policy that allows them to get the players they need when they need them at the prices they want to pay. So City just signed uh, Jasko Garviol. Uh, he comes into City in that new jumbo ball-playing back four. So now we have Ake, Laporte, and Garviol. Uh, on the left side, all left footers. And then on the right side, we have Diaz, Stones, Walker. That is a supersized defense that can do just about, and Akanji, sorry, Akanji who can play on both sides, um, all right-footed on that side, who can all do what they need to do to defend. And then we have Rodri who for Spain plays defense. So it's really this strong six-man unit, five-man unit in defense that just doesn't let anything happen. And so Guardiola will be part of that group. Yes, it's a big money signing, but it's really their only signing. They signed Kovacic to replace Gundogan, who is not really replaceable. Kovacic never scored goals. So we'll see if he finds the goal, uh, the goal bug in his body uh, and can move himself forward into that list of players. But City will have a hard time replicating what they did last season. I find it unfair, not reasonable, and arrogant to think that City's going to win four in a row and have the same level of fight as they've had. I think they'll struggle in the beginning of the year. I think Pep will put it together, and it will be on the other teams in the league. Someone is going to have to get a 15-point lead in December ahead of City. Then City in the back half of the season, they'll find their footing, they'll have their losses, they'll be annoyed, things will bother them, and they will find a way to kick on. 
But if you do not put a good 15-point cushion in the first half of the season, the first 17 games on City, they will chase your fucking ass down because we're an evil, dark machine. And by then, Pep will have what he wants and how things go. I believe in it. I think it's an interesting problem. There's going to be youth players in this side, but really it's still going to come down to De Bruyne and Grealish and Foden and Rodri and Riyad Mahrez, who we say goodbye to, and Bernardo. Uh, the big question is, is whether anything is got from Calvin Phillips, who was terrible last season in our big signing. Uh, I think they're going to need him to play 20 games just for injury sake, just for mixing it up and need him to step up, need Cole Palmer to take a step forward. He regressed a little bit last season, but I have them finishing second to the great and powerful Arsenal football club. Uh, I've talked about them at, at length, even in the last episode before it got eaten. I just believe in it. I believe in the progression. I believe in where they are. I believe that they've identified the issue. Ramsdale is not a championship keeper. They do need to replace him. I think if we see Ramsdale play all season, Arsenal will not win the league. And if they do sign David Raya, that will make a huge difference for them. And that is the team that I think should be the favorites. And I'm picking to win the Premier League. I know it sounds crazy. I've got Brighton in the top four. I've got Arsenal winning this thing, but that's how I really think about it. There is a natural progression. There are things that happen. There are odd narratives that you and I don't understand, but they're happening and they're shifting sands underneath us. The remaining number of teams are actually super duper interesting. Some of them You'd expect to have top four aspiration. Some of them are on the up. Some of them are on the down. Some of them are Manchester United, which should be up higher. And I probably have everything wrong and that's fine. But in this next group, I would call these the traditional and aspirational. Um, so we have United, Aston Villa, Spurs, and Newcastle as the next four group. So this is the next group of European teams. And that would be five through five, six, seven, eight, five through eight. I would put it as United, Aston Villa, Newcastle. So United in fifth, Aston Villa in sixth, Newcastle. Oh my God, I totally forgot Chelsea and Chelsea. So there's five. Holy shit. Uh, Brighton's really throwing everything off. Uh <laughs> Uh, United, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Newcastle, and Spurs. That's five through nine. It's getting really, really good out there. And you could even add, you could even throw Brentford in there for good measure. Um, let's start with United. Um, United had the worst underlying numbers of the top teams, meaning Ten Hag got the most out of this team. The big change obviously was... Casemiro just completely transformed this team into a team that could grind out one nil wins and, and they needed them. Uh, they were one of the better defenses in the league. Um, David De Gea strangely lamented and hated by his own fans. Well, not really uh, a goalkeeper who had problems, but still won the golden glove for most uh, clean sheets in the season. So United were actually very good in defense, despite the fact that they had a few, really bad results. They were the third best defensive team in the league. Their issue was scoring. They could not score. Only 58 goals. 58 goals puts them 
just let's see one two three four five six seventh in the league level with Brentford so Brentford scored as many goals as Manchester United and that's even with Marcus Rashford scoring 20 so the Vout Veghorst Anthony Marshall Anthony Sancho that group just did not provide enough goals you needed at least 20 from that group and you didn't even get that so this season they've brought in uh Rasmus Hoyland who is fast and big and those are his two best attributes. He's got a decent touch, got a decent eye for goal, but this is a guy who's 20 years old and has scored nine goals in Syria. That is the extent of his resume. This is one for the future, $80 million or $90 million. And he's going to have to shoulder some expectations for United. Um, it's going to be difficult for this team to kick on unless they get another about two, at least two to three more 10-goal scorers or near that. So last season, it was Rashford on 17. This is in the league. Bruno on eight, Sancho on six, Marchal on six. Casemiro had four on headed goals, Anthony with four, and Garnacho with three in limited time. Um, even Fred chipped in with two. So what we need from this team is just another 10 to 15-goal scorer. That might be Hoyland, and they need Rashford to repeat his performance of 15 and then allow for Fernandez to get another five and then another five from Sancho. You want Marshall and, and, and Sancho need to aim for 10 to 15, just get that 10 number. If they get that, if they get those additional 30 goals, let's say, and put them in the eighties and their defense is where it was huge deal. Another question I have for United would be how Lissandro Martinez um, responds to his Achilles Achilles damage is a really bad injury and can really derail a player. He was a ball player. He was getting stuck in. He was jumping more than his height. But as a player, as small as he is, if he loses any athleticism, he can be in a lot of trouble. And United probably still need two, three, another defender, I'd say, um, for the side. But they still have a lot of the same players. Mason Mount is the big signing okay okay mason mount and hoyland that's that's gonna make up your space okay i'm giving you a lot of credit to be in fifth a lot um onana will make a difference and onana that's a big difference De Gea was great for the defense really hurt the united attack uh hopefully onana opens things up and helps them score, become more fluid. He might just be worth five goals in and of himself. So that'll take, you know, United up into the sixties. Yeah. Not, not that good. Uh, <laughs> uh, their underlying numbers are still not really that good. So uh, United need a lot to go, right? I don't think they're there yet, but they're building. I think 10 hog is good. They need the sale of the team to go through. I think that's hindered their window. So I have Manchester United in place in fifth place okay next i think in six we will see the great and powerful aston villa this team put a lot a lot of good players into the side and i mean really good players they are building a team they've got unai emery i like everything villa's doing they're holding on to who they have um and 
just brought in so many players that I had to get a list up just so I know who's who. <laughs> Let's just make sure I got this one. The big one being Pau Torres in defense coming in, uh, large player. Uh, Musa Diaby on the break, fantastic. The great and powerful Yuri Tielemans is fantastic. Uh, that should make a huge difference with tons and tons of players going out to try and get this team back in order. So you've got a couple windows here. You've got some, you've got three major players, a winger in Diaby, a defender in Torres, and a midfield dynamo in uh, Tielemans. He won't have to do all the defensive work. I think, you know, we'll still see uh, Diaz back there. And this team was so good in the second half of last year once Emery came in. Now, their underlying numbers were not of a team this good. So there may have some level of consolidation, but sixth is where they finished. So perhaps that consolidation literally puts them back where they were right there in seventh, sixth place. Uh, their underlying numbers were they stopped a few more goals than they should have. Uh, but that's Emmy Martinez. That's a little goal luck. Uh, Ollie Watkins is still a top-class striker in my view. I like where he is. I like what he's doing. I like everything about Villa. Uh, they have a way to play. They have a manager who gets it. He's going to manage them through the season. Uh, you know, I think it's the right club. I think sixth is probably Aston Villa's level. And so you'll have United in fifth and Villa in sixth. In seventh, I think we'll see a consolidation on the Newcastle side. I think... You know, Eddie Howe, this is the same sort of problem. Listen, they had a great season last year running and pressing and catching people by surprise and Callum Wilson being great and having just to play on Sunday, but now playing in the Champions League, a new level, people coming after them. Yes, they add Tonelli. Yes, they have Isak for more of the season, but it's a slow build and this team was built on its defense and there's no way they're going to be as good as they were last year. I think a consolidating seventh. I think the Geordies will be fine with that, getting out of the group stage perhaps in the Champions League. But it is a hard process. As a City fan, I know how hard it is. The players have to start to believe. The first step for them is, wow, I'm in the Champions League. The next step is, can we win a game in the Champions League? Can we get out of a group in the Champions League? How do you overcome that? How do you mentally get yourself strong enough? Is the squad big enough? Bruno Gamoresque seems to miss games every other, every few weeks because he's always getting charged in and hurt. So I've got Newcastle in seventh. And in the last European spot, I've got to put Chelsea. I thought about Spurs, but Spurs are really, really bad. And they're going to lose Kane. So Chelsea have looked good. I think Pochettino's a real leader. We're hearing very good things. But Chelsea now are in that spot that Arsenal will earn two years ago. This is the youngest team in the league at 23 years of age, even with Thiago Silva in there. But Jackson has looked good up front. Uh, Chilwell being healthy. Reese James being healthy. The midfield pairing, I think they still have to figure out because uh, I don't think Gallagher and Enzo Fernandez works. Gallagher is probably the odd man out. And then they just have so many new players. Pochettino's got to still rack through them. They've moved so many players out. They're still trying to grow as a squad. I could see them. Uh, I could see Chelsea having a listless first 10 games, let's say. And then in the second half of the season, going on a run as Pochettino finds his group and puts himself together. Not to compare um, Nottingham Forest and 
Chelsea, but they are in similar situations. If you compare last year's um, Steve Cooper side, where he had all these players, some had gone up with him, some had to move on. It was all these lone players and he had to struggle to find what the group was. And in the second half, they were able to sort of find some cohesion, get things behind Johnson and, and, um, and the other boy uh, who helped score all the goals, get Iwoni back in and sort of kick on from there. In this case, uh, we're going to have the same thing with Pochettino sorting out the team, finding the right group, and hopefully scoring goals. I think the big thing for Chelsea last year was they didn't score goals at all. I mean, 38 goals, that's one goal a game. 38 goals. That's it. That's incredible. A goal a game for Chelsea. That is horrendous. Uh, and that's why we're seeing Havertz out the door. That's why we're seeing... Everyone out the door. Just they needed a clear out, and Pochettino can shape this raw clay into the team he needs it to be. And I think we are starting to see that. I really like where Chelsea are. I'm giving them eighth because someone has to be there, and I don't think they're ready to kick on. Really, my Brighton pick is really causing problems and making everything really difficult. Uh, the last team in ninth, I I hate to say it, but it's going to be Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, and Postacoglu has a big rebuild on his hand. Yes, it's good that Madison, James Madison came in. Yes, it's good that Sonny had his surgery and said, oh, I feel great now. I was hurt all year. It hurt to move. That's what Hinman's son said. Um, but some players have moved out. Kulishevsky's deal is there. So we still we still have a semblance of an attack. And Spurs had a good attack. They gave up 63 goals last year. I Let me repeat that. 63 goals. They were in the bottom six of goals against. And that still has not been corrected. Yes, Loris is out and the goalkeeper from Sassuolo is in. I don't remember his name. I'm going to try and find it right here. But they still don't have enough defenders. What is going on with defense? You cannot have Ben Davis. Eric Dyer and back there and Ramirez again, there needs to be a deep, deep improvement. Uh, I will say um, I do like Manor Solomon. We will get something interesting from him. Hit the player who uh, played really well at Fulham. What had two game winners somewhere in the middle of the season. Uh, Vicaro is the goalkeeper. Guglielmo Vicaro is the Empoli goalkeeper who was really, really good for them last season. I'm just going to pull up his stats right now just to get a sense of what his story was. But he'll be replacing Loris very likely. And Ange Postacoglu is going to have to find a defense that can hang with this team because it was just awful last season. Uh, yeah, Empoli goalkeeper was a plus in his post-shot XG, which is huge for them. Young, 25 years old, big, six foot five, uh, should really help um, Spurs in defense there. Because I think, you know, Loris was everything without Spurs was too long. Held on to Harry Kane too long, held on to Aldevereld and Vertongen too long, held on to everything too long. Uh, and now we got to see them really change and change their defense. They need two defenders, minimum, minimum. Without two, they are doomed. 63 goals and that's with harry kane they finished eighth i think they're going to finish ninth this year if they are lucky if they are lucky the next group of teams 
Brentford, Fulham, Crystal Palace. Uh, let's talk about London. I think of this London group, I think Brentford are probably the best of it. Uh, Fulham were very, very, very lucky last season. Uh, they had a plus two, but their XG was minus 17 with no Mitrovic. That's a mess. That team is in turmoil. I could see Fulham in a relegation battle, to be fair. Uh, Brentford will hold the middle there. I don't think they cracked that top nine. They're not there. They have to play the first half of the season without Ivan Tony, uh, and they are selling David Rea very likely. Uh, he was fantastic for them in goal, and if he moves on, they have a giant hole. Uh, I believe that Visa will score the goals. I trust Embuemo to get better every season. I like their midfield, strong engine. I love Ben Mee. I love uh, Pinnock. They've got a good, solid Premier League side, and they have a way to play, and you know you're going to go to the GMX and get punched in the mouth, and Brentford are going to give it to you. I see them sticking in mid-table. Uh, Fulham, I do not. No Mitrovic, no party. They still need Paulinha to be as immense as he once last year. Uh, Marco Silva does not have a good history of sticking with clubs. He tends to get his head turned as a manager and sort of pulls the team apart. Right now, Mitrovic is the big problem. They need him. Uh, I don't like where they are with just Vinicius up top. And they really sputtered in the back half of the season. Uh, they, they had a bit of a falling down to earth. So, yeah, they had a stretch there in March. Lost one, two, three, four losses in a row. Um, and then seven of nine into May, riding the ship at the end, beating Leicester Southampton and drawing with Crystal Palace. So tough in the back half of the season. They have Leno, who's great. They don't have enough goals in this team. Way too much from Villian. I mean, perhaps Vinicius can can provide some Carlos Vinicius, the big one, but he's already 27. Herrera's been a nice player. They lose Solomon's two winners. Uh, not a lot to write home about. Harry Wilson's never enough. So they really do need Mitrovic. I see Fulham dropping down just a touch. So I'm just working my way through the table. So uh, that's my top 10. My top 10 will be, um, I'm going to put Crystal Palace in that top 10. And this is really a vote for Elise and Eze. They're so good. They're so fun. They're such fighters. They've got the best wings in the league. Uh, and I love Uncle Roy. And so if they're going to continue that battle and keep going, they do lose their talisman. Zaha has gone on to Galatasaray after 10 years with the club, uh, brought them up. Famous, Where Eagles Dare, Where Eagles Fly is a documentary on Amazon. Watch it. It's all about early days of, um, of Crystal Palace. Fantastic, fantastic club. So I've got, that's my top 10. I'm going to go Arsenal, City, Liverpool, Brighton, United. That's five. Six was Villa. Seven was Newcastle. Eight, Chelsea. Nine, Spurs. 10 is Brentford, and that is my top 10 uh, with 11th coming in as Crystal Palace. And I'm sure that I left Manchester United. Did I leave them out? Anyway, I had them fifth. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> I'll have to write it down and share it. Um, of the next group of teams um, that were in the league last season, West Ham, Wolves, Nottingham, and Everton. 
Nottingham and Wolves are probably relegation battlers. Again, I think anyone outside of that top 10 is really in for a fight. Uh, I think it's really difficult to stay in this league. I think the difference between the teams coming up and down is a little less obvious than it used to be. Um, so I think that between Wolves, West Ham, Bournemouth, Nottingham, Everton, they will be with the teams coming up fighting. So the teams coming up are Luton, Sheffield United, and Vincent Company's mighty uh, Burnley. Uh, I think all those teams will fight uh, for relegation status. I think of those teams, West Ham are clearly the best of them. Uh, I don't, wouldn't expect uh, David Moyes' team to slide down the table again. Uh, they have lost Declan Rice to Arsenal. They have not replaced him. They have not made a single signing yet. That is disheartening. And if they don't find a able replacement or two, they may find their season in really a lot of trouble. Excuse me. So a uh, bit of a battle there for the great and powerful West Ham. Uh, Wolves, I liked what Lopetegui did, but I'm not sure what their transfer policy is right now. I don't know what big moves they made or where they think they're going to go. Um, they're kind of under the radar right now. I'm not sure uh, what Wolves transfers were that, I, that, that we can write home about. Uh, they needed goal scoring, and they didn't get it. Uh, they moved Collins out. Um, but right now, uh, it's a bit of a problem. So they're kind of stuck right now. Uh, they moved mostly players out and not much in. Um, it says here Matt Doherty. That doesn't sound right. Uh, yeah, a bunch of, a bunch of not much. Um, so not much in the ways for Wolves. Not much coming in. Mostly outgoing, nothing coming in yet. Kind of troubling for Wolves. Uh, I would be worried <laughs> if I were Wolves. Uh, I'm trying to see. It looks like they may have had a, a transfer ban. Is that possible? Uh, oh, no, it doesn't look like that. Okay, so they seem fine. Uh, I, I mean, I believe in Lopetegui. He's a good coach. This is one of those I'm betting on the coaching to see if they're going to stay. Uh, and then... Uh, so I've got Wolves and and West Ham staying relatively strong. So that leaves Bournemouth, who Gary O'Neill kept them up. They fired their coach. That was weird. Uh, Philip Billing is still there. Philip Billing is still a fantastic player. Uh, Neto is still there. They've improved and signed Patrick Clivert. So they have been getting players. Um, so I do like what Bournemouth are doing. I just want to see exactly what their transfer business was just to make sure uh, I've got this right. Um, but Bournemouth, yeah, just a good, well-run club with a new owner. They've sort of said and sort of controlled what they wanted to do. Just checking in on Bournemouth right now. Yeah, I really liked what Roman Five came in. I think I talked about this earlier and, and Justin Clivert. Those would be the two ones that I really liked. 
Uh, other ones, we're going to learn about them. I don't know enough uh, all the time. Sometimes I learn about a team as the season progresses. I find out what they're up against and I I start learning more. So kind of enjoyable. Uh, just talking about Wolves, it looks like Lopetegui is considered leaving the team because they're not signing anyone. So that sounds like a big, big, big problem for Wolves. So maybe I'll have to revise Wolves down a bit. If they're going to lose Lopetegui, then they are really in trouble. Forest, I think, is a year of consolidation. Uh, they're probably be in the battle. I don't have a spot for them. I'll give you my um, my my relegation thoughts uh, in the end. But what we have for Nottingham Forest is we have Alanga in, which I think is a good Um, we have Alanga in Chris Wood staying and then just Alina from Torino coming in. I remember him from Fulham. He's a good central midfielder, but mostly, uh, this is going to be consolidation. A lot of the players that came in just didn't work. Cooper had to sort the whole team out and now he has a side that he's more interested in, that he's got control over, that he knows who they are, and they'll probably kick on from there. I think they do have to hold on to Brendan Johnson. I did see some rumors that he may leave Nottingham Forest, but I think they need him and they need his goals. As long as they have, um, as long as they have him and the other boy, I just want to make sure I got the guy's name right. <laughs> uh, he's one of the hyphen ass names, Gibbs White. Excuse me. As long as Gibbs White and Johnson are there, they almost mirrored each other. Uh, Gibbs White with five and eight and Johnson with eight and three in terms of goals and assists. As long as they mirror each other there and they can keep Taiwo Iwoni, they'll have an attack because the difficulty for teams in the relegation battle is not scoring. Uh, they can always sit back. They can always try and soak up pressure. They can always try and win games that way. But it's when you have that goal scoring that you can really make a difference. And, and I'm sure um, um, Christopher and Mike will tell you those goals that Iwoni scored down the stretch, those runs that Brendan Johnson would make, those runs that Gibbs White would make, bringing the team up the field from the midfield were gold when those teams got tough and they were sitting deep. So uh, I, I like where Forrest is, but I just don't know if they've got enough right now to stay out of a relegation battle. Something can go wrong. Next, um, Everton. Not a lot going on with Everton. Again, this is a vote for Everton really have not brought much in um just kind of worrying for Everton just not we've got Ashley Young and Dan Juma who they tried to get a million times we saw Sims go out uh I'm sure I'm sure that um Sean Dyche will be like hey I just need Calvert Lewin to not be injured and I'll just roll with I'll just roll with uh, my guys again Decore um onana and um and iwobi and we'll we'll see where we get to connor cody's not there they still have tarkovsky which i like uh seamus coleman is probably not going to be uh leading that team anymore but you know it's still not enough they don't have any goals in them either uh but i is if your team has tarkovsky and pickford you're gonna be okay uh mikolenko is a nice player um you know they still have to find goals they just have to find goals uh, if Calvert Lewin can play more than the 15 games he played, that'll make a huge, huge, huge difference. And please never play Michael Keane in the center of defense again. Please, please, God, never, ever, ever. They do say goodbye to Jerry Mina, who they've been trying desperately to play more often, but now he's off 
uh, to his own devices and leaves the club. But, you know, Everton's also in that mix. Um, as for the new boys, we know about Luton. Ten years ago, they were in Division Two. We know about Burnley because I've talked about where they were with Daesh, how company took the team over, but he still needs to rebuild it. Lots of players, new players, lots of guys. A lot of their best players have um, actually moved on uh, because, it, again, when, when you're in the championship, it's a lot of lone players that have to move in and out. Uh, but with Burnley, um, they bring in Trafford from the other under 19, but a lot of young players, a lot of players in the championship, Nathan Redmond, we're seeing come back, Darren O'Shea from West Brom, um, uh, European player, uh, Amadouni from, from Basel. So just a lot of players, Michael Obafemi, if you remember him, really good Irish international from Swansea. So companies trying to grab as many players as you can to fill in the slots of players that left big ones that left for him would have been, um, Oh, doesn't have these loans. The players that he that had loaned and left. Oh, it's fine. Uh, Tyler Wood. Uh, what Tyler Wood Bellis, a former City player, left Burnley. Uh, Ashley Barnes helped him out. Mateen was a loan player who's left back to Chelsea. So a lot of good players that company had that he has to now replace. Um, they'll of course be in the battle for the relegation zone. We don't know where they'll be. Uh, Luton is going to have a tough time. I don't think they've brought in enough. Um, Premier League stuff. I mean, Nakamba is a nice little player. Uh, Tahith Chong, nice little player. If you remember him from, uh, from, from Manchester United, but you know, just a lot of players. It's so hard to stay up in this league. Uh, and they're going to have to battle with the guys that got them here. They'll take the money, try and pour it into their stadium and see where they go from there with Sheffield. Um, it's a lot of the players they brought in. They they've got a goalkeeper and trusty uh, that they liked, but you know, just players we don't know. Bernie Traore, Anis Slimani, Larucci, just players. They're going to have to try and find more players at the end here. Some players that are from their previous team, and the Stevens, Billy Sharp, Jack O'Connell. A lot of them have moved on. So we'll see what happens with Sheffield. It was a good side. Uh, Hecking Bottom is a good coach, but I think. Uh, if I want to think about the relegation battle, last season we had a very, very strange relegation battle in that every team that came up stayed up uh, in um, Nottingham, Bournemouth, and what? Is that right? I don't remember. Who was the other team that came up? <laughs> I have to look. I can't remember. <laughs> Nottingham, Bournemouth, and... Oh, uh, God. I can't even remember. So who went down? Okay. Anyway, whatever the case is, um, why can't I figure this out? I'm such a fool. <laughs> I'd have to look at the championship. It's so funny. It's a season ago, and I can't remember who came up last year. Uh, Nottingham, Bournemouth, and who was the third team? Oh, Fulham. Durr. Uh <laughs> Fulham was fantastic. Sorry, Fulham was like a 100-point team in, in the division. So Nottingham, Fulham, uh, and Bournemouth all stayed up, and we had Leicester, Leeds, and Southampton go down. So I would not expect that to happen again. I think from, a, from the relegation battle, I think we'll see Luton go right back down. Uh, it looks like Sheffield don't have good enough right there. So I'm going to say Sheffield and Luton will go down. But then of the other group, um, 
I don't know about Ariola. I really like Steve Cooper, but I'm going to say that Bournemouth will go down of the teams that stayed up. So uh, they had the worst goal difference of any team not to go down. Uh, so uh, I would assume that uh, Bournemouth will go down. They did not improve enough to tell me that they're going to stay up. So I have Luton, Sheffield, and Bournemouth going down out of that crazy group. I mean, obviously it'll be a battle. You don't know what's going to happen, but that is my story. And that means I've come to the end of this show. Uh, I hope you're angry. I hope you're frustrated. I hope you hate me because I didn't love your team the way you wanted me to, but that's the nature of punditry. Okay. That was the squeaky bum time podcast with Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the chop sports channel and presented exclusively on the premier streaming network. We will be recording on Sundays during the season, but this is a special. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. So you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate and review the show. It means everything to us and have a great football uh, charity shield on Sunday, Manchester City versus Arsenal.